This is CliffCentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. Happy Monday. Welcome to The Bounce Show. Good weekend. Uh, behind us, of course, big football weekend. So getting straight into it. Uh, huge football weekend. So much so, I've got a new and talented guest in the on the show with me today. A guy called Tabang I got in touch with uh, recently. Uh, he actually emailed me, which I always find pretty good. Now, as I told you a few times, I started this show very much the way I started my blog. It's about getting really good insights uh, to be kind of consumed and enjoyed every week. From people who actually really care about sport, they're not looking to kind of appease anybody. They just want to get good things out there so you can become entertained and informed. So, uh, Tabang Kaledi, I don't know as much about football as he does. So, Tabang is here, and this is his first time ever on radio today. Tabang, morning. Yeah, morning. How are you? Yeah, solid, man. Well, thanks for coming yeah. through. Um because basically, I I specialize in rugby, cricket, golf. Those are my sort of strong suits. So I have been kind of, uh, I wouldn't say taken to task in the past about not knowing too much about football. I know enough to get to get by. Yeah. Uh, if football was a language, I could probably order a beer and find a hotel. But Tabang is a bit more enthused, a bit more um, informed than I am. So, uh, yeah, Tabang, first time on, we got a big weekend of football, yeah, Nedbank yeah. Cup, mm. absolute Premier League didn't happen this weekend, mm. but the Cup took big center stage in SA, mm. and then, um, well, English Premier League. So, first up, who are your, who are your big teams? Who do you support? I actually support, uh, Manchester United in the United. English Premier League. Okay, bad start, and carry on. <laughs> and, uh, locally, it's Orlando Pirates. Okay. Yeah, those are my two teams. We'll just quickly run you through the the weekend's action. Yeah. Um, you know, I've started way too frenetically here. I've got this. This will be like the biggest show we might have actually done to date, right? We've got two massive debates. I'm tackling the pink ball test match cricket with uh, Dennis Friedman from Australia in about 20 minutes. Then I'm tackling should the golf be at the Olympics or not with Barry Harvinger from Golf Digest. Wow, so much. I just need to try to compose myself. So, Tabang, just looking at the, the weekend's fixtures, Man, yeah. Man City, big win against Stoke. That wasn't exactly an upset. Uh, they were always going to happen. Yeah. Now, Liverpool, Newcastle, this, this relegation debate. You think about there's Norwich, there's Sunderland, there's Newcastle, right? Those, yes, are, your, those are your three right teams. Right now, I'm actually liking Newcastle United to stay up. Uh, I know there's, there's three games left and they play Tottenham and they play uh, Aston Villa away. Okay, so there's yeah. three points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that. And um, I forgot which other game is this. But out of those three games, I see them at least getting three points against Aston Villa. Yeah. The three points against the team they're going to play next. I forgot which team is that. And the last, the last game is against Tottenham Hotspur, who... Might play the B team because it might not matter because Leicester might have won the league by then. So yeah, yeah so the last game might not matter as much. Well, you got to think they just kind of need it better than uh, the Norwich. Okay, so Aston Villa are down; they've gone. Yeah, uh, Sunderland, Newcastle, and Norwich are kind of fighting all for that just yeah, to not, get out of there. 
Yeah, Norwich, Nor- Norwich will go down. You reckon that's yeah, the one? No, they'll go down. DDS Smith's team, that's the one, huh? Yeah. Okay, yeah, look, it's... Uh, the ultimate bringing in Benitez, you've got to think the, the class of that guy and his experience yeah. will kind of get them out. Getting a 2-2 draw with Liverpool in the weekend, evidence that straight away. Yeah. Really, really good. From two goals down. Now, what do you make of this... Like, Chelsea, we all know they're, they're kind of their season's dead and buried, right? Yeah. But now I read this morning there is a slight chance they can make the Europa League if they finish around eighth or seventh, depending on what Southampton uh, does. Yeah. I mean, you know, Chelsea have a lot of money. They're bringing in a new coach, uh, Antonio Conte, for next season. Yeah, the Italian guy. Yeah, the Italian guy. So, I mean. Going into the, what is it, the Europa League, the Europa Cup is actually going to uh, complicate things because I think it's gonna, just going to be, uh, they're just going to play unnecessary games when they can just focus on the league, focus on the cups, yeah. and they'll be fine. Then they played for the Champions League for that season. They might actually even go for the league itself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a token gesture at the end of the season. You've had yeah. an absolute dog shit season. You want to get over it, right? No, yeah. to, to now being kind of told, well, you could make Europa League. That's like, yeah. no thanks. You know? <laughs> I'm used, to, I'm used to eating caviar. I know I might be hungry. But don't be, don't be giving me no hot dog right now. It's, it's yeah, no that's, point. that's, that's exactly how it is. So I don't think, uh, they should be aiming for the Europa League because like just I said, it's just, yeah, it's just going to yeah, be a question for them. Anyway, they were too strong for Bournemouth 4-1. Sunderland 0-0 with Arsenal. Oh, Arsenal yeah. Now I, like, I mean, you told me you're a Man United fan. Like I, I've always supported Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool. I've always supported Arsenal purely because ugh, it's just you know from the start you always have a team, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, how did you support Man United? You just it came to you. Uh, uh, yeah, I actually don't know. Maybe because they're winning a whole lot uh, in uh, the in the nineties. Maybe uh, I think that's the case. Okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Like, everyone's got their reason. Who am I to judge? <laughs> so anyway, uh, Arsenal zero zero with Sunderland and Olivier Giroud. That's fourteen matches now without a goal. Now there are two players in the Premier League who've played more games without goals, right? Yeah. But both of those guys are in teams that are relegation threatened. <laughs> Neither of those guys have Mesut Ozil supplying them ball, right? Yes. So anyway, the fans, as you would imagine, are really pissed off. So let's just go to them and the latest rant about Olivier Giroud. I just don't understand because we, when we played at Ebon, we played with uh, El Nanny, Coughlin, we, we were smooth, wasn't it? Well mm. back up front. Why has he fucking changed it? Why is he trying to justify Giroud to play? Mm. Giroud is not good enough for this fucking football club. He's not fucking good enough, Robbie, and I'm sorry, he's time to fucking go now. It's time. I can't, no fucking three-year contract, no one-year contract. <laughs> time to go. Let's fucking get changed. You need a fucking fresh start, mate. He just sat down... Five minutes to go, he just sat down on that bench and just fucking gave up. And I'm fucking sick of it. I fucking got up three, half past three in this morning just to come and watch this rubbish. I'm fucking fed up with it, Mod. Sorry, mate. I've got to go. Wow, that guy, that guy seems pissed off. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's flawed. He's your, he's your, your go-to Arsenal fan TV <laughs> ranter guy. Uh, yeah. but he, he's, he's got a good point though. You know, like yeah. these guys, they Arsenal, okay, their big thing is to try to finish third because if they, if they're around fourth, then suddenly West Ham, Man United have got a sniff. Yeah. So you want to yeah. kind of put that all out of the, out of the way and, uh, get third. But I mean, they're, they're tied with Man City now. But Man City, all the momentum in the world, and mm-hmm. they look like they actually have strikers that can score goals. Yeah. Anyway, Austin Wenger's sitting there, and he just seems like a man out of ideas. I haven't seen a, a guy flounder like this since Heineken Mayer at the end of his, um, at the end of his <laughs> tenure with the, with the stream box. Yeah, Austin Wenger for me should have been gone a long time ago. I still don't know why he's still Arsenal coach at the moment because 
he has been given money to spend, but yeah. he 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 doesn't feel he he wants to spend the money, which is kind of weird because Arsenal lacks from defense, midfield to strike. They they lack a lot. So I don't know. That's that's all I can say about Arsenal. Arsenal are really bad. Yeah, they really are. But another good point that was made by uh, one of the other fans uh, on Arsenal Fan TV is that yeah, you can you know what you can make spend some money, get some players in. But the thing is, he's not going to be the right guy to t- take it. Yeah. So yeah. just listen to this. Yeah. Let me ask you this, right? If he, if he stays um, at the club, what could he do? I know you're not going to be completely behind him because you completely had enough. But what could he do in the summer? Could then, when you come back in August, you say to yourself, "All right, you know, I'm going to give him another chance for the last year. I'm going to give you another chance because you've gone out and done whatever." Nothing. Nothing. He can spend 200 million. He's still in charge. His tactics are out of date. All right. So it doesn't matter. Last three years, Robbie, we've bought world-class players. Alexis, Özil, Czech. We've gone backwards. You're telling me there's someone out there that couldn't get better out of this squad? got a better squad than Leicester. I said it before, if Arsene Wenger was managing Leicester, would they be top of the league nearly winning the Premiership right now? <laughs> Behave. He's done good in his first 10 years. But it's 12 years now, Robbie. No league title. And we're going down and down and down. And you look at the, the problems with the fans now. I've been going 31 years. I've never seen a divide like this. My dad's been going since 49. Okay, you have to go into the whole sad story of how these guys' lives have been ruined. So, uh, also... Didier Deschamps, the the French coach, yeah. has suspended or Karim Benzema suspended right now because of some uh, what is it? Some black blackmail thing he was doing with his own teammate. Yeah. So apparently suspended. We don't know if suspended for the two thousand and six. I mean two thousand and sixteen Euros. So if he is, that means that Giroud is going to be France's main striker, oh. which is going to be. How do you call it? Awkward. Awkward. But now, the, yeah. the, the, this guy, this guy DT from Arsenal Fan TV makes a great point is that it's people saying Arsenal, Arsenal must spend, Arsenal must get his players, but yeah. he's got a good squad. Yeah. And the, I love that point about if Arsene Wenger was the manager of Leicester <laughs> City, they would still be they're down near the bottom wherever they would be. So he is, <laughs> he is quite central to this thing. And look, with all of these rents and all these things that we've been picking up in the last few weeks is yeah. that you try, try find something that's constructive. Okay. So yeah. people are saying, uh, Giroud's crap. Um, <laughs> you know, why is this guy playing? Why is that guy playing? But yeah. Arsene Wenger, I think he's just hit his, he's just hit his ceiling. Yeah, no. You know, like when a relationship runs its course. Yeah. None of this is not you, it's me thing. It's just, this is over now. Yeah. And it's, it's just the, the most difficult thing in sport and in life is just to kind of look at something and go, you know what? This needs to end now. We need to kind of pinch it in the butt and, and be done with it. Simple as that. Yeah. Nothing personal. There's nothing horrible about this. No, nothing. But yeah, I do feel for France yeah. because, as you say, it looks like uh, Giroud is there. He's, he's going to be the main guy, yeah. And Benzema is hardly a banker to start with anyway. <laughs> so yeah, Arsenal looking good there. They are tied kind of third, fourth right now with uh, Man City. Yeah. So sp- speaking of my team, Manchester United, who... Um, oh, we're going we're to get them in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, okay, yeah. yeah so let me just, let's, let's wrap it up. So yeah. Leicester, they needed eight points start of the weekend. They yeah. now just need five. They've yeah. got a big win against Swansea. Yeah. No Vardy, not needed. Uh, Riyad Mahrez with a goal to start the match. And Riyad Mahrez, England's player, football of the year player. Yeah, yeah, he just won that. Yeah. That's incredible, huh? You know that um, Leicester bought him for £400,000? 
from yeah, yeah. a second division team in France. <laughs> yeah, probably gonna sell them for like twenty five million or something. Well, that's see, that's that's another show altogether. What yeah. happens if Leicester win the league? What happens to Schmeichel? What happens to Vardy? What yeah, happens? They're probably to all going to get sold. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. Anyway, so yeah, yeah Wayne Rooney makes a three hundred thousand pounds a week, and Marius, the player of the year, was bought for four hundred thousand. <laughs> Just goes to show you, there's so yeah. much about this. Tonight, Spurs play West Brom. Okay, so Spurs yeah. have to win absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. Even then, that's probably not going to be good enough because Leicester need five points in three games. Yeah. I reckon that's yeah, that's two wins. Yeah, yeah. I know one of the games is, is I think, away at Chelsea. Yeah, so it makes a difference. Mm. But yeah, let's get to your team. Uh, Man United two, Everton one in the FA Cup yeah. semi finals. Yeah. Is this something that you are personally excited about? Look, uh, it may seem like an obvious question, but <laughs> the thing is, if Manchester United have won now, yeah, and going to the final of the FA Cup, so if Louis van Gaal, a guy I really dislike, wins the FA Cup. And Manchester United, and by some chance, Arsenal falter, and the and Manchester United makes it to the UEFA Champions League. They won't fire this guy, and if they don't fire this guy, it's actually a bad thing for Manchester United. So, I'd like them to win the FA Cup, of course, but yeah, because I'd, I'd, I'd like Riva, Van Gaal gone more than I'd like them to achieve anything. No, I know, Sorry you, I know to you, say you, that. you can't really believe the rumor mill too much. Yeah. But the thing is, people are saying more and more that Jose Mourinho is getting close to becoming the Man United manager. Yeah, but why would you? Why would you? Why would you fire Louis Van Gaal though if he achieves something? If he wins the FA Cup and if he gets you okay. to the to the to the Champions League? Now this is just me being a bystander on the side here, right? Yeah. Everton right now, shit. The okay, fact they that they pretty, they, pretty they, they scraped home <laughs> Martial in the death to win that one. Yeah. Um, and they're going to play Crystal Palace in the in the FA Cup final. Crystal yeah, Palace are going to win. Yeah, Crystal Palace are fifth <laughs> from bottom right now. Yeah, I mean, people will say this will be the most hollow FA Cup victory ever. <laughs> and as an Arsenal fan, I know what those are. So it, it, it's a very strange sort of um, conundrum that Man United find themselves yeah. in. Because as you just say, if they can, then Arsenal falter. They can get into fourth. They get Champions League. Yeah, it's like cool, but it's a bit of a band aid. He's still going to disappoint. That's the thing. So I agree with you. He needs to go. Jose Mourinho, if you, depending on who you've been reading, mm. is getting so close to signing now. He's already looking to scout players for the next season. Oh, okay. he's, really look, he's looking to plunder some cheap Portuguese talent <laughs> like he did when he got to Chelsea. <laughs> so, yeah. but you reckon Dan adjusted Man United will probably be, yeah. Yeah, they, they'll probably win, yeah. They're, they're just too good. I mean, Crystal Palace, they beat Watford 2-1. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're pretty lucky they got into that semis with no other decent teams around them. Everton manager, <laughs> fired today, tomorrow. Yeah, no, I, I give him to the end of the week. He's probably gonna get fired. On social media, personally, he's been, you know, not good enough for the whole season for for Everton and Everton have, no, have really a good squad. Me. Although they've had injuries, but that's that's no excuse. So yeah. Martinez is gone. I agree. In my opinion. Okay, Debunk, finally, we need to talk Nidbank Cup here. Yeah. Now, obviously, the big surprise is that Barocca FC beat Polokwane City. Yeah, they, they seem to like this tournament somehow. I remember when they beat Kids of Chiefs also in this tournament. Yeah. When was it? I forgot how many years ago. So, I, th- I think they enjoy it. Well, look, I'm so glad that one of them can at least get through because that's just one fairy tale. As is, yeah. This is our, our equivalent of the FA Cup. It's nice to get a team in there. So, they're now pitted against Supersport United, okay? So, Barocco won uh, 2-0 over Polikwani. Mm. City. Supersport United were 2-1 over Black Aces. Yeah. So, that's the first semi-final. Supersport United versus Barocco FC. The other semi-final, Free State Stars versus Orlando Pirates, your yeah, team. Yeah, my team. Pirates are coming good. Team. Okay, the, the league's out of the question. Yeah, no, of course. They've yeah. kind of lost everything else. Yeah. This is, the, this is their one only shot. Very much the favorites now that they're knocked out by Bloody Sundowns? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to win this one. I think this one I'm going to take. The Bank Cup, uh, my Melody Sundowns, I feel, especially especially after my player got a red card in the 71st minute, they could have pushed on more and did more, but they actually didn't. Mm-hmm. And they allowed Pirates to get back in it, and we ended up winning that one 2-0. So other than, other than that, maybe Super Sport will give them trouble if they get to the final. Maybe they'll yeah. meet them there. But other than that, I see I see Pirates going all the way. Getting yeah, one cup this season. It's hard to argue that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the, I mean, they're just showing their recent form is really good in the league. Yeah. Unlike Kaiser Chiefs, they can score goals. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah. so Pirates will take on Stars, Free State Stars. They beat mm. Vitz 6 4 in penalties. Now, Vitz, just uh, quickly before we, before we have to finish the football feature, Vitz versus the um, Sundowns in the league now. You think uh, Sundowns yeah. out of the CAF Champions League, mm. they're out of their Bank mm. Cup now. Yeah. League's all they got left. Yeah. I mean, they've got a decent league now. Mm-hmm. They've got, what, it's a seven-point gap, six-point gap? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, a it's quite a big gap. Look, I like, I like Sundowns. I like the way they play. It's just that some, sometimes the, the coach makes mistakes. But in terms of the squad they have, the players, the way they play, mm-hmm. the front three players, I like them a lot as well. I think they'll win this one. All right, so we've got to, got to pinch it off right there. But yeah. if you're going to catch more, more of Tabang on the show. This was his first time on radio. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at C-H-I-Z, sorry, C-H-I-Z underscore Z-O-B-O-S-P-O-R-T-Z. That's, uh, well, that's, that's, yeah. that's your blog, yeah, Zobo yeah. Football. Yeah. Cool, Tabang. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, you'll hear a lot man. more of him and yeah. your football. Because when you, when you get more football on the show, yeah. I, I'll recognize it. And to have someone like you would be great. Yeah. But when you get into cricket, Dennis Friedman is on the line. And uh, right after this, we'll get straight into it with a big debate. Should SA be playing the pink ball test? The Monica end, the cathedral end of this magnificent ground. Here's Siddle. First ball of the match. And he's pushing it back down the pitch rather uncertainly. There may have been a little bit of movement in with the batsman there as he... Last ball of the first over of the game. It's uh, Siddle who gallops in and bowls, pitching up and he's driven. And driven crisply down towards um, mid-on. At the moment it is Berendorf and he's bowling from the pool end of the ground. And that is a straight drive from... So, uh, pink ball cricket here. Dennis, you with us? I am, Ben. How are you, mate? Cool, man. Sorry to have you uh, hanging on. We're just trying to get more football on the show now. I'm trying to become balanced. I, I, I try winter. hard. I try hard. <laughs> it, it is winter, mate, so I, I understand. Yeah, but you know football is an all-year-round sport. They, they never know when to quit, do they? Just, you know, cricket at least has some sort of uh, idea about seasons, but football, they just keep playing and playing and playing. So, <laughs> Dennis, now, we generally have very similar opinions, uh, something that, that I admire and respect about you is that we often get along with these kind of things. <laughs> But this pink ball business, right? I, I know, like, yeah. I almost feel it's not even a point of leverage. It's a point of just opinion right now. Aussies are sitting pretty. They've played a pink ball test. They're in Australia where this tour obviously is going to take place between SA and Australia. Domestically, correct me if I'm wrong, it, through any of this intro right now, domestically, they've got a fair amount of understanding of what the pink ball does. They've been trialing it, being as progressive as they are as a cricket nation. Yeah, when it comes to pink ball, they know what's happening. So now they're saying, well, the first game was such an almighty success. Let's play, and this is going to be the series. You guys come to Adelaide uh, for the third and deciding test, and we'll have a pink ball party. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to win. Is that pretty much the standpoint? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it is to to some degree. I mean, you fluffed it up a bit as you would because you're trying <laughs> to argue. You're trying to argue that there's, there's something wrong with this. Uh, there's there's so many factors here, Ben, um, that add flavour to the discussion. And and the big one that you can't run away from is uh, Test cricket is gasping for breath at the moment in a sea of T20. And if we're not going to support, sorry, if it's, if it's up to Australia and New Zealand to keep Test cricket alive, we might as well shut it down now because they're the only two teams that are willing to play pink ball, although India is now discussing it with New Zealand. Um, and if you guys won't come to the party because you might lose a Test match in a uh, in a series between two teams that counts for nothing in the scheme of things because we still don't have a Test championship um, versus doing something to try and keep the sport alive, then I think you guys are missing the boat. And you've already, you know, you, you typically follow Australia anyhow. Last, The last thing you copied from us that was a, a wonderful idea was the uh, Boxing Day test match. Okay. So you might as well jump on this thing. We don't we don't get it wrong too often, mate. And, uh, uh, you know, if we're not doing things to change it up, test cricket that you and I grew up watching and loving will be uh, a once every three or four year thing in the ashes that will probably be a point series with a five T20s and one test match. It'll be gone. So if you don't jump on board, you know, kiss a goodbye. You might as well just follow the Ram Slam, mate. Okay. Well, no, Derek, Dennis, that's a bit strong. I mean, come on. You know, we should have had Ram Slam as another keyword. We weren't allowed using this debate. Look, I, I, there's no doubt. There's no doubting when you look at that, that New Zealand test match. Okay. It was amazing. There yep. was thousands of people. There were so many people. Some people just decided, you know what? We're close enough to cricket. We don't have to watch it. We'll just go into the beer tents. And it was beautiful to see those fantastic orange sunsets and people young and old, attractive and, well, in most Aussies cases, mostly unattractive. It was a great crowd, but I just don't think that it's ready yet as a format. I mean, if you look at, look at games played at that beautiful cricket arena, which is the second most beautiful in the world behind New Newlands. It was the fourth lowest run scored ever in a test match at that at that ground. 821 runs, okay, over the whole test match. Fourth lowest of all time. And two of those those uh, games that were lower involved a West Indian team. So as much as I agree with you that this is the way forward, maybe, I just think a lot more needs to be done. So to set, suddenly said to Proteus, right, you guys have no idea what this pink ball is going to do. You've got no experience. But how about you just play this game and suck it up? I think that's a bit harsh right now. It's, yeah, ben, it, it but, almost seems a bit easy let, that way. So let's put some context. Most Australian test players wouldn't have played more than two games with a pink ball, maybe three. They've played one test, and they may have played a shield game if they're lucky. It's not as though we're using the pink ball every week. I think there was two shield rounds with it last year. or There was one shield round before the pink test, and there was one shield round after the pink test. Um, the ball, the ball's still getting worked on by Kookaburra. You know, there's so much to learn, but it, it's no different to 1977 when World Series cricket came in and everyone said, oh, you know, do we really want to wear pyjamas and coloured clothing and should we use the white ball and no one really knows what's going to happen? You, you, you know, I know that you've moved towards golf in the last few years, Ben. It's a very conservative sport. You know, it's 45 degrees outside and you still wear long pants and white belts. But, but you know, you've got to move with the times here in cricket. Um, something's got to give, otherwise test cricket is dead. Um, so I don't yeah, think but the, 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 the time is not there yet, though. No. The time is just simply not there yet. It's we're 100% there, mate. I, I tell you now, um, you know, no one gives a rat's clacker about test cricket anymore except for maybe um, Australia, England, and possibly India when they're playing one of those two teams. And that's one of the reasons the big three came into play. 
um, was that that's where all the money is because that's where the crowds are speaking. That's where people are spending cash. The only way to arrest this is to, to make some change. You can't, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If you think test cricket's going to lift itself up off its knees because Ben Karpinski says that South Africa's not ready to, to battle in a match with a pink ball, um, we've, we've got massive, massive problems with this sport. Um, the other thing I want to touch on too, mate, is uh, the, the scoring. Yes, the scoring was down in that match. But, uh, yeah, and Adelaide's a beautiful batting wicket typically, you know. Indeed, but yeah. When, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I'm kind of sick of watching first innings totals of over 500 for the first, you know, That only happens readings. at the Wacker. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the bowlers getting a bit back on the batsman after the last 15 years. Since, since the West Indies fast bowling attack of, of the late 80s and early 90s fell to crap, um, we've had to sort of applaud James Anderson's achievements as a leading bowler in the world to some, you know. So I'm glad that <laughs> Peter Siddle was able to tear it up with a pink ball. And um, I'm looking forward to, you know, England coming out and Stuart Broad causing havoc. Can you imagine um, Morkel and Stain and Philander and um, these guys having a crack at Smith and Warner? It'd be fantastic with a pink ball, nipping around and a bit of bounce. I don't know why you're so scared. Have you seen our bowling attack? It's not great. Like there's, it's not really actually about that. The more this conversation moves on, I just think that if this is going to be the future, right? Like, let's just look at space travel. If it is the future, you need to tighten all the nuts and bolts of the rocket before you put it into orbit. And I just think there's a couple of things that need to go around. We need to get some sort of domestic understanding about the pink ball and the game itself. Because if we can't have a test match where this ball lasts for 90 overs properly. I mean, we're not talking about making everything nice and grassy. I mean, India, I don't know what India is smoking right now, thinking they can get a pink ball test at a sandpit. I mean, that that, that's just bullshit. But Ben, Ben, a white, a white ball in an ODI match lasts 25 overs because you have one at each end. Yeah. So that the pink ball was getting changed twice in an, in an, in an 80 overs is not a bad thing. The red ball wasn't even lasting that long in Australia last summer. The fact that we're asking, that we're playing two. So if, if South Africa chose to play this pink ball test, because there's also one at the Gabba with Pakistan this summer coming up, only two of the six tests this summer are pink. But someone needs to lead the charge. And it's either going to be the international scene or the domestic scene or so, but somewhere it has to, it's, has to start. And the fact that it might not line up perfectly day one doesn't mean that if you look forward five years time, that the bravery today hasn't set up the game for the future in five and 10 and 15 years time. People are still turning up to test matches. Half the series are played sort of day nighters. Um, there's some interest again. The ICC get off their ass and create a world test championship. And all of a sudden you get these carnival atmospheres like you saw at Adelaide, but it has to start somewhere, mate. And, and to say that, um, we've got to have it perfect before we do anything, well, then we would have never have seen the DRS. We would never have seen um, changes in uh, power play rules, in ODIs. We would never have seen T20 domestic leagues start. Um, it, it's a nonsensical argument, mate. I'm sorry, you've got this one wrong. But do you not think that maybe a few ex- exhibition matches first up? You know, we'd, we'd look at these, you want to do something greater than highlight it as an exhibition. Get all teams Who's on board. Who's going to play that? We, we're going to get, we're going to get Warnie's all-stars to do that, no, mate. No, no, what's, no, no. What, what's no. the point? It's, it's, it's an exhibition within these actual test series. So you still got the teams going. Like, they're talking about having, you know, you guys can have a practice match the week prior to that. There's a big gap between second test and third test that they want to make a deciding test at, the, um, at that oval. Why not just throw an exhibition match so we can just try it out more? 
It doesn't matter. Come the third test, you'll be two 0 down. You guys just lost to England, mate. You're not going so well. Um, you've just you've got to start these things. It has to. You've got you to just kick said your bowling attacks crap. <laughs> Say that again. You just said your bowling attacks crap. We've got a good record in Australia. Thank you very much. <laughs> I had to get one sledge in. You said our women are ugly. You, you, you. <laughs> oh, sorry, um, that's New Zealand. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'll tell you what, this is, this is what I predict is going to happen. India and New Zealand will play their day-nighter. Pakistan and Australia will play this summer. Next year, um, uh, next time, South Africa might not play this time, but the next time they come out, they definitely will in four years' time. And the Boxing Day test in South Africa in maybe three years' time will be a day-nighter. And we'll be looking back on this conversation. I'll pull it up and play it back to you on your radio station, and you'll sound like a goose. <laughs> Look, I said on a few occasions that, yes, this could very well be the future, but if it is going to be, I just think it needs to be done properly. And just to have games here and there with sort of mixed feelings around it, it's not how you start something. And yes, I know you said, I mean, this is obviously an Australian way. You guys just pick it up and see how it goes. I mean, you've done the same with most things in your country. But could it not just have a bit more fine-tuning to make sure this is the future? I think that's ultimately my point here. Yeah, that's what Steve Jobs did when he started Apple. You know, he got it perfect before he launched the iPhone. And that's what, you know, it's, it's just a nonsensical argument. You've got a dying sport and you're saying, let's just tinker around the edges till we get 100% perfect to relaunch. A minor change in the scheme. You of know things, what? I'll, I'll take 70. I don't even think it's 70 yet. <laughs> but think about it. We already play almost every cricket match apart from test matches in the world these days at an international level is day night. To now say, oh, let's not do test cricket day night, and the, the lacquer or the colour or the finish of the ball will be fixed in time, and it won't take that long, mate. Or, or we'll work out that the ball only lasts 50 overs, and that's, we'll just deal with it. Um, but to say that, oh, we're not quite used to playing at night with test matches, is it's, it's, it's a very conservative traditionalist view that's quite blinkered. But that's what African cricket how, is, though, Dennis. Cricket, I mean, you, you've got to understand no, your audience here. Or you, conservative, white, middle, you know, young, white, privileged bloke playing who plays golf. <laughs> you, you, you're living in the wrong country, Ben. You should be living in England on a bloody estate or something. You know, the, <laughs> the reality is that probably 95% of domestic and international cricket these days, if you look at how T20 and ODIs are played, are day-nighters. So you can't say that the South African players aren't used to playing at night. It's a bullshit argument. Of course they're used to playing at night. No, of course we are. We, 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 we kind of pioneered the whole to, thing. They're not used to playing in the daytime. If we, you know what, if we said if we played Adelaide from 9am to 5pm, you guys would struggle because you wouldn't know where to get sunglasses that worked with natural light. Okay, so what you're saying is, suck it up, play this test, let's just keep playing more and more, because what it needs to get to is the fact that this needs to become the future. You know, all that's going to happen now when South Africa come out here in the summer, if you choose not to play the day-night test, is the whole media coverage, and you and I, and on the podcast, and on Crick Info, wherever we read, it'll all be about, oh, geez, wouldn't it be great if there was a pink test being played now? Why aren't they playing a pink test? It'll just take over the whole narrative of, of the summer of that series, which shouldn't be, because it should be about number one and number two, or number one and number three, or wherever it ranked, um, hitting it out again in Australia in a test match series, which is awesome. But it won't be, because you guys have decided to wear your skirts um, over here, because the ball's the wrong colour. And, you know... South Africa is the last place where you want to say I don't want to do something because of the colour of something. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys, you're going to hold us to it after that. So you're bowling today. I mean, is it because you guys don't want to play a test under lights? 
Okay, look, let's just fast forward because, you know, Dennis, a, a big part of me actually completely yeah. agrees with me. I just wanted to kind of, um, you know, try to provide a secondary argument. <laughs> is that, I mean, how do you see this in the future? Will deciding tests, if, okay, because let's just say on average the three tests per series, right? Should there just be yeah. one of these in future and everything builds into uh, like a crescendo of a being deciding match? I think you're going to see the whole test match world flip on its ear in the next 12 months. Um, Sources tell me that the uh, World Test Championship will be launched in some form or another in the next six to nine months, and I think that will change the whole way Test Series are played. And I also, um, you know, I, I think we're going to see less five and four match series, and we'll see more two and three match series, so that we can get the rotation through the teams um, once there's a points table. And I think the other thing that might be interesting, it might change it again, um, is if this England Sri Lanka series um, that's coming up in England becomes a points type tournament like um, the Women's Ashes were, um, which has been talked about. So you'll, you'll play three tests or two tests for points, and then you'll play ODIs and T20s for points, and the most points wins the series as a whole. So yeah, I think sounds, the whole way cricket's going to get played internationally is about to be flipped. And so for us to sort of guess now or to look at the traditional test series that Australia and South Africa might have been playing for the last 40 years, I, I don't think we're going to see too many of those going forward, to be honest. Yeah, look, again... If this thing is to become a precursor to the future, I just don't want it to go crazy after that and suddenly it's power plays and test matches and all that kind of stuff because I don't think the product is that, is that, that screwed. It, you know, it's like saying, well, you know, I'll get more chicks if I wear tighter pants. That's what this is in danger of becoming. It's not about addressing the tightness of the pants. It's addressing what you've got as your core offering. And I think the test core offering is fine. It's just the other stuff around it. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I think you definitely win this debate. Um, hopes weren't high from my side. <laughs> oh, it was a knock. It was, it was a one punch knockout. It was all over after thirty seconds. Look, the only thing you really got out of this argument is that you get to use a white belt comment against me. That's pretty much all you <laughs> all you really got. And you should be bloody ashamed that I've got photo evidence of it as well. <laughs> Dennis, uh, what else is happening on the blog at the moment? I don't know. You've been writing up a storm as always. Uh, yeah, look, having a little bit of rest after the T20, we uh, interview uh, Bumbles uh, this coming Friday on the podcast. I'm looking forward to that. Um, he's told me he doesn't want to talk about cricket at all. He just wants to talk about greyhound racing, so this could be very interesting. How do you get such um, high-profile guests? Do you just stalk the crap out of them for weeks? Uh, he's not that high-profile. He's an old guy. He's an old man who's looking for some relevance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll be sure to clip that, and you can start your interview like that. How about that? <laughs> No, 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 look, I met him, um, I, yeah, I obviously said that at tongue in cheek. I met him, uh, during the World Cup in Australia last year. We shared a glass of red together and some stories that I can't share ever with anybody and, uh, just asked me if he'd like to come on the show and he said yes. So after I've had a successful chat with him, Ben, I'll shoot him your way if you'd like to chat with him. No, nah, I don't like talking to high profile people. You're about the pinnacle for me, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Great, mate. Well, thanks so much for your time, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing goes. I'm pretty sure um, all the proteas are going to say no thanks on the day-night test, so I'm looking forward to some some heated media encounters and eventually them succumbing and playing a day-night test match and losing by innings and 300 runs. So do I, mate. All the best. <laughs> all right. Ciao, Dennis. Okay, that's um, yeah, that's that's our cricket, uh, fast and fast and furious. Look, I think when it comes down to it, Dennis is right. We've got to look at kind of getting more ways of breathing life into Test cricket. And if it is under lights, then so be it. I just think that it's if it's going to be the future, nothing must be too hasty about it. Nothing must be too hasty. And we can't just throw these things in here with all these other variables that haven't been decided. You know, is this ball going to be able to last? If not, then you know, are the conditions always going to be changed? 
call me an old an old fashioned uh, stick in the mud, but I just think that if you're gonna do something right, kind of get it going, you know. That's 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 my, my final two cents. No, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Of course, you can catch all of this stuff and more when I put together the blog post of the show. But on to golf now. And uh, if that was one debate, then this one's even better, I think. Uh, should it be at the Olympics? I don't know. It's something that I'm going to chat to Barry. Uh, hopping up from Golf Digest about as soon as I play this clip of Bubba Watson and his caddy fighting. We're here at Ginzon Golf Club playing a little night golf in China with Bubba Watson. Got 257 hole over water. What do you like, pro? This is definitely 257. This is definitely a one iron. One iron? Yeah. Everybody uses a one iron. Over water? It just had a high cut. Okay, you, you, you like this club, right? Yes, one iron. Absolutely, all day. Right. Never any doubts. It's in the water. It's in the water. That club, really? You, whoa. Really? That club? Don't be me. You're better than that. Now, if you don't know, uh, Bubba Watson's a giant douchebag and his caddy has taken so much abuse over the years. It's actually an abusive relationship, so much so that everyone sympathizes with him on tour. So they made a little mock video of roles reversed. Barry, are you with us? Hello, Barry. Barry, testing. Barry? Ground control? Okay, some technical difficulties in the booth. Uh, we're going to get back to Barry in a second. I think Duncan put him on hold. And uh, someone, Gile, has come in, and she is backed up. Really great support staff around here. So if you've missed anything, if you just joined us, we've had a bit of a debate around the cricket, the pink ball test match, and a good um, football catch-up with Tabung. Now, if you do catch just some of the show live, uh, of course, the podcast will be here every single day, every single Monday of an hour after the show live. And you can catch all the things. And then on the bounce of Seattle today itself, I then um, put everything together. So all the clips that I played, intro song, uh, a variety of other things to get into, all there. So basically, if you ever want anything to read or anything to do on Monday, the bounce of Seattle today, look out for the bounce show podcast. Barry, you with us? Hello. Hi, Bounce. Yes. Oh, what a win. Sorry, we had some technical issues there. How are you going? It was probably uh, Teddy Scott gave a bad yardage. Uh, it, I definitely was. It definitely was. I mean, if there's one person, there it is. So, Barry, um, today, I wouldn't say I'm in a mood to fight. I'm just in a mood to kind of get some some contrasting, some thoughts in play. We just had a nice right. nice, a nice debate with Dennis from Australia about the whole pink ball test and should we be playing them, should we be waiting. Um, I think another thing that comes into mind straight away is should there be golf in the Olympics? Now, I wrote a piece last week, so I gave it some thought. And uh, a while ago, I thought to myself, you know, Nothing should be in the Olympics unless it's a pinnacle sport, you know, because judo was taken out and then something else was put in. And I just thought, that's not fair, right? That's really not fair. But then reality kind of kicks in. Pinnacle sport, that's really cool because that's the Olympic ethos and dream. But then again, you know, marketing sort of commercial uh, value and spectators ultimately, that's what drives sport nowadays. So it's almost a bit of a luxury that we can't afford anymore. So what's your thought? Should golf be in? Because it's not going to be a pinnacle for the sport ever, or should it be out? I knew there was going to be a question in there somewhere. Uh, towards the end, slightly. <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 it really is. There are, are two very uh, strong sides of the uh, of the argument here. I, I'm I'm with you in that. I believe the the uh, event to be at the Olympics must be the ultimate in your sport or the pinnacle. 
Um, so you train for four years to reach the Olympics. Uh, having said that, I think there could be a variation for golf um, in that it, it, it wouldn't necessarily have to be professionals that compete. Um, thereby, you know, someone will be an amateur and train and, 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 and dream of, uh, of the Olympics. Because the problem that we are facing now in, in Rio in, uh, in August is that the, the scheduling is very tight. They've got a seven-week span where you're cramming in the U.S. Open, the Open, the PGA has been moved two weeks earlier because of the uh, it will be played before the Olympics. Um, and the opening ceremony for the Olympics is only on is what is on August five, and golf only starts I think on the eleventh. So you know it's a, it's a long time for these golfers to kind of wait around, and um, you know when they're used to just kind of flying in and out of uh, of tournament venues. But so, they don't necessarily have to be there from from the ceremony, right? Well, I, I think the, the the whole point is you know to because golf coming back to the Olympics is to make a big song and dance of it literally at the opening ceremony. So um, I saw a clip with uh, you know Gary Player is Africa's captain. For the for the side, it's it, it, it's it's not determined yet how many um, players are in on our team yet on their South African team, because it's two for each country. But if you have um, more than than uh, two players in the top fifteen on the world rankings, they can also get in. So before Louis Oosthuizen decided last week that he wasn't going to be available, we could have potentially had three South Africans in the. Olympic golf side with if Schwarzel, who's currently 20th, I think, got himself into the top 15. So it would have been great with Stazen and Schwarzel. Um, as it currently stands, it's uh, Brandon Grace and Charles Schwarzel who will represent South Africa. Um, you know, if they don't uh, themselves make themselves uh, make themselves unavailable. So it's uh, it's an interesting, and, and we'll only find out. Uh, for sure, probably in at the beginning of July when the registration date um, expires. Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, world ranking ending at eleventh of July. Yeah. So okay. yeah, it's, it's. I do feel though that um, having said you know having said that that I believe the Olympics really has to be the you know the ultimate in your sport for it to be at the, the games. Um, I feel that Louis is going to get a lot of criticism coming his way because we are very much a, an Olympic medal-starved nation. Sure. And golf is a really good opportunity for us to, to you know, to, to get some medals. So, um, you know, him and, and Brandon, or, or now Brandon and Charles, have a really good opportunity at gold. And I, I just feel that that's not going to be received well, you know, by South African sports fans who potentially might go, well, you know, he's a professional golfer, there's no money involved at the Olympics, and he can't be bothered to, to turn up. And, you know, it's a sport where we really do have uh, realistic medal opportunities. Um, and just saying that as well, I don't think the, you know, a lot of people have worked very hard to get golf back in the Olympics. Um, it, it, it was played for once back in 1904. Um, ironically, there were, there were 80 uh, competitors uh, 77 Americans and three Canadians, and a Canadian one. Um, <laughs> just uh, just as an aside, but um, I don't think that they've, they've done uh, too well with the uh, the format for the event because it's it's just another 72 hole stroke play tournament, which we see every week in and out all around the world on the on the professional tours. And you know, it's not a, it's not a team event. 
um, which I think they could have possibly you know, thought of something like the old, um, do you remember the old uh, Alfred Daniel Cup at St. Andrews where you had three-man teams and yeah. they knocked each other out on the on route to the final? Um, I think that would have been a more, uh, you know, created better interest uh, in the event. And also, you know, so last week Adam Scott was the first high-profile player to, 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 to withdraw from the, uh, well, uh, from being available, followed by, you know, something like Vijay Singh. Fiji, so they might as well just uh, cancel golf in Fiji, you know, as a sport because I don't think there's anyone else who could take his place. Um, but I, I honestly, I believe there'll be more um, high-profile players, you know, making themselves unavailable. Nothing is going to to ever um, surpass the four majors in golf. You know, that is how, at the end of your career, that is how your uh, your career is measured you know, with success. How many majors? You've won, and um, I think because golf has been over a century since it was in the Olympics, it's going to be very difficult for the game to you know, get that status. Yeah, sure, but I, I don't think it's ever going to be the thing. I mean, Adam Scott was saying, "Look, I play the majors; that's my whole thing." And then journalists jumping on the back of that and saying the Olympics will never be close. But it's never, ever, ever going to be anywhere close. I just think that there's another way of looking at this, and uh, something the players can maybe take heed of is that. Sure, it's never going to be like the majors. It's not even going to be like the FedEx Cup when you think about it. People want to play that because it's big money and there's huge ranking points. Because world ranking points are a big deal for these guys. So it's never going to be any of those things. But we all know, and Mr. Gary Player himself said it, that the pro game is going really well at the moment in in the world of golf. The amateur game, however, is floundering. So if every four years golf goes to wherever, whoever's going to pay the money to have these these kind of near outdated games and that's what it all comes down to is money and sponsorship and yes. TV rights yeah so golf should be in it for that that respect because people are also saying the other argument is who needs each other more does golf need the Olympics or does the Olympics need golf now Olympics mm-hmm. obviously needs golf because you've got these superstars right but golf on the other hand it's also the element of you know what we play for lots of money every single year we play the majors that's our pinnacle we've got Ryder Cup um, I mean even the President's Cup would probably be a bigger event than golf but is it not an argument for saying, right, this is our chance to really be a great exhibition for what the sport is? These guys are becoming slightly more athletic. Uh, the mental skills needed in golf alone. Look, it's definitely, it's, it's worth its place there. Is that not a way of kind of looking at it? Is saying that this is golf's big exhibition to kind of show the world what a great game it is? Is there any merit in that sort of thinking? Yeah, absolutely. But you've got to get the, the buy-in from the players, you know, to, to show cards showcase that because right now the, big, the, the the story at the moment is that big name players are are not interested in playing the Olympics. So I agree with you completely, but you've got to get those big stars um, involved. And uh, here's a, a kind of an irony. A year ago, I interviewed um, a rising star on the Sunshine Tour, Dean Burmester, who yeah. grew up in Zimbabwe. He finished his schooling in, in Bloemfontein and, you know, it carries a South African passport. But a year ago, he, he hadn't won, you know, four times, five times that he has now. And he was thinking about uh, getting, you know, his Zimbabwe passport back so he could go to the Olympics. For him, that would be a massive, uh, you know, moment in his career. The irony now is that he finds himself in the top 100 in the world. And he's probably South Africa's fifth ra- top-ranked golfer on the world rankings. And, um, you know, with... with if, if a couple of more guys, you know, make themselves not declare themselves unavailable, then uh, he could find himself in South Africa's Olympic team, you know, not uh, not Zimbabwe. But I think what you know what I just said there about the, the, when a sportsman 
declares himself unavailable for a tournament. I think that kind of sums it up. You know, that the moment that happens, it's it's clear that that's not um, the ultimate in uh, in in the sport. Yeah, but it's just, it just seems a bit like every now and again, like I made this point last week, is that Adam Scott is hugely rich, right? Over, his net worth is over 50 million, and he got that from yeah, golf. He didn't get that from being good at auditing books. He didn't get that from being a good architect. He got it from hitting a ball. And uh, like the whole thing is like, you know, golf owes you nothing, but every now and again, it wouldn't be my bad. I mean, this is me being an, an idealist here, to kind of repaying golf for all, it, for all it is. And it should be a celebration of the sport, but you know, in a world where it's a very personal sport, people will say, yeah, nice thought, still not going. It's It just seems a bit of a mm. shame. But now, just getting back to that whole thing about um, format, because I think they really have missed the trick there as well. Like we've seen when match play gets played with the best golfers in the world, there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of excitement and it always always delivers mm. a great tournament. Now, this stroke play tournament, right, if you if there's a tie for third for bronze medal, so to speak, they have a three-hole playoff. I mean, it just seems kind of a bit odd. Yeah. Whereas if you, you go into match play, Obviously, the gold medal match, that's going to be amazing. And then you've got the, mm. the bronze medal match, which nobody ever watches in those WGC events. Suddenly, that's got some merit as well. Exactly. So, single match play. Unfortunately, as you made out with Vijay Singh, he goes, there's no Fiji golf. So I think making teams might be a bit difficult. But they've, they've yeah, got to look at making – I mean, I think that will be the first step. Make it like a the, WGC. The, absolutely. That's what it's crying out for. The danger of that, however, is that you get some stars getting knocked out in early rounds. And you literally have, you know, no disrespect to say, pole stars from Belgium, um, playing, uh, let's, uh, let's think of a, a, a good example, you know, like a, uh, well, that's part of the problem is that you're going to half the field are going to be ranked out of the top 100 in the world as well because of the countries, um, from where they're from. So you could have a situation where, um, Nicholas Colstart is playing Bradley Griggs from Wales in the final of the, uh, Olympic, you know, it, it sounds like a far-fetched thing, but it, it could actually happen. Sure. And I think that's what they are worried about. In that, you um, you want to keep everyone involved until the last day, and it's a, you know a big shootout for the, the gold medal. Even though, yeah. um, ideally, the match play is a is a better format for um, you know for yeah, a, a, a medal point. event. It's a good point, Barry. But I think what it comes down to, you alluded to it very briefly. I think the ultimate, the ultimate solution here, and I'm going to claim it that you brought it up because I haven't read or heard of anywhere else, that golf will be a triumph at the Olympics if it becomes an amateur event. So when you think about it, right? If you're a top amateur in the world, what's the big thing you want to win? You want to win the U.S. Amateur, stroke play, match play, whatever it is. Look at a guy like Bryson DeChambeau. He won that NCAA, whatever it was. That was his yeah. pinnacle there. You add Olympics to the amateur game, there's a pinnacle. Because well, the, 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 the whole thing about, you know, they're trying to grow the game. I don't think they're going to grow the game by having another 72-hole men and women's event yeah. on TV. You know, you see that every week. However, the, 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 the big tournaments to win as an amateur are the British Amateur, the US Amateur, and the World Golf Championship, uh, which is held every, um, every two years. And you could... Essentially create a, you know, like a, an amateur grand slam now by, by nice. creating the Olympics. Now, yeah. if I, if I'm, if, you know, China, um, and, and the East is obviously a, a huge target market for, for golf. And this is what huge. they are trying to achieve for growing their game and giving the game exposure. Now, um, by having an amateur event and uh, advertising that, you know, you're going to have kids in, in, in um, China as an example going, well, you know, this is something that I can play in. 
um, I can I can practice and you know I want to be a professional one day, but I can actually be a um, an Olympic medal winner before I turn professional. And I think there's a there's a big attraction for well there's a better attraction in in growing the game there than it is with just another 72 hole um, event you know with a trade by professionals. Barry, I think it's genius. I think it's it's absolutely spot on. And uh, you know, one of the incentives of, of winning Olympic gold is that you get uh, passage to all four majors. So if you're an amateur and you win the Olympics, it's a real thing. Like, just think of all there'd be so much hype, there'd be so much excitement. I know the names won't be very big, but I think it's it's the win-win here. So yeah, I think that that will grow the game more than uh, yeah. than you know just having it as a, pro- a professional event. And just think, people will be timing their turning pro around this. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll be Correct, awesome. Absolutely. And there'll be yeah, so a, many amazing stories. Because, um, that's a very good point. People are very quick to turn pro these days, but yeah. they might hang on a while longer because of the four year period, um, to play, to, to want to play in the Olympics. And everyone loves amateur stories. Uh, look at that Bryson DeChambeau again. You hear him so much in the news nowadays because people love that whole amateur thing. People love nostalgic stuff going back to like Bobby Jones who never turned pro. And I think there'll be a lot of, add a hell of a lot more to the game. And, uh, it's, it's definitely the winner. So Barry, we have to cut you off there because we have run out of time, but thanks again for your insights. And I think you've, you've sold the Olympic debate right there. You can, right. you can claim it. It's yours. It's all yours. Always good, always good chatting, Ben. Cool. Thanks, Barry. You can find Barry on Twitter at Loose Impediment. And of course, get the latest version, uh, edition of Golf Digest. Barry puts his heart and soul into that, uh, new stands here in South Africa. That's pretty much wraps it up. Long show today. Um, sure. I feel like I've been all over the place trying to get you all kinds of content. Big thanks to my guest, my very, very capable guest in football, cricket and golf. Next week, I am not going to be here because public holiday, but I'm going to do a great pre-recording for you. So you'll still get an hour of sports just the way you like it with great insights, interesting guests, and everything you need to know to make yourself sound more intelligent and more informed about sport. That's it for the Bounce Show for this week. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you, Spongile. Catch the rest of the Cliff Central lineup live. Otherwise, on podcast, go to cliffcentral.com for everything and a whole bunch more. Catch you next week. This is cliffcentral.com.